Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Welcome to everybody that's in my home, and welcome to everybody coming from SoundCloud, listening all over the world. Welcome. Praise God. I'm glad you're all joining me today, and wherever you're coming from. I'm excited about the message of the Lord today. It's it's a new one, something I'm kind of not used to doing one like this, and I'm just excited. So, um, of course, before we get into it, I've got my thoughts from last week. Uh, but before I start any of it, if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, and we'll ask the Lord to bless our service and help our ears hear correctly, and ask that the devil gets kept out, of course, because he's everywhere. He has an agenda against us. Remember, we, as we learned last week, he's always fighting against us. So if you want to join me, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this day, and thank you so much for this message, Lord, and thank you so much for your love for mankind. Lord, your word says that you, for God, for you so loved the world, dear God, that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in you would not perish but have everlasting life, Lord. So we're just so thankful, Lord God, that you've given us a way out, a way out of death, on you know, just death eternally, and a way out of misery now, Lord, because in you, Lord, we could be joyful, we could be happy, we could be peaceful, Lord, which is what we can be, Lord, in you. And I thank you, dear God, that you give us that. I praise you, dear God, for all that and for all the good gifts that you give to mankind. Thank you, Lord, for this message. Thank you, Lord, for this family, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this church. And thank you, Lord, for all the faithful followers, God. We praise you and we bless you and we thank you. We ask that you would get Satan out of this place, Lord. Keep him out of this place. Keep him out of our minds. I pray that his agendas against us today would not work or that he would fail trying to distract us and make us think about other things. Lord, we ask that we would be focused on your word today, on your message today, on your love today, and on your directions, Lord, that we can focus on what, how you want us to live our lives, Lord, and, and that we may be on the straight path. Thank you so much, dear God. We praise you, and we thank you, and we love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19, verses 11 and 12 today, and we'll go back a little bit once we get there. So if you guys want to get your Bibles open and turn to Matthew chapter 19, go to verses 11 and 12. But first, my thoughts from last week, and last week's message was Satan's agenda against Christians. So in case you're wondering about that little writing that I read last week, in case you were listening last week and you listened to Satan's agenda against Christians, that was a writing that I and an unknown writer wrote. It's on on my website now. It's on gospelsavingchurch.com, and it's at, it's on the homepage. It's under articles, and you can click on the on the homepage on the link articles on the homepage, and you'll click on it. It'll be the first article on there. It's called Satan's Agenda Against Christians. In case you're wanting a copy of it, you know you listened to last week, or you're, you're interested in what it was, you you want to go back, uh, you can actually go to it and read it. You can copy it off. You can you can copy paste it and take it. I would love if you would use it. It's uh it's really an eye opener. It's, uh, you know, that writing really introduces, it really exposes a lot of the truth that's going on in the world, a lot of the evil, how Satan's trying to, you know, take Christians down, and and it's working, and Satan is doing a real good job at attacking us, you know, because of all the different things, and they're not, you know, they're, they're attacks against us, but they're not attacks against us that are just, you know, they're not easily to be seen, you know. Satan just doesn't show up with these big horns and this big long tail like they show him in Hollywood movies and say, ah, jump into my pot, my pretty, you know. He comes around and he goes around the side, you know, and he gets us subtly. And he works in a subtle way to attack us and, you know, get us 
trapped. So where we, you know, we start to fail and our lives start to crumble. And he tries to do it to me all the time. So anyway, if you want to use it, you're more than welcome to use it and read it, you know, to your family, to your church or whatever you're wanting to do. On the agenda that we read about last week, Satan's agenda against Christians and for all, and and for that matter, all people, on that agenda that he has against us, the only way to stop his agenda against us is to fight back. We need to stand up, repent of the ways in which we heard that he was supplanting us, that we read in that writing last week, and we need to stop moving in that direction and take physical steps away from what, you know, the ways in which he's, he's been tricking us to go for so many years. And it's ironic because that's exactly what the Bible says we should do. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Unless we go against those points of that agenda that we read last week, unless we go against those things and go the correct direction, we'll continue to fall. Our societies will continue to crumble with divorce and and overworking and splintered families and ruined lives and so on and so forth. And we need to take steps like these. We need to stop allowing ourselves to be too busy. And that was initially what that writing was all about. You know, Satan trying to keep us too busy. But then there were other things that were there in the mix of that. We need to stop allowing ourselves to be too busy. We need to start shutting off our TVs, radios, CD players, cell phones, and We need to start spending more time listening to Jesus Christ and speaking to him and getting into his word and looking for his direction for our lives. We need to stop overspending. Remember one of the ways in which Satan's agenda got us is he got us to overspend and overspend and overspend. And once we overspend and we get ourselves in so much debt, then it's just like a downhill battle. It's like an uphill battle. It's a downhill slide from there. We need to save our money and only buy the things that we have the money to buy. We need to stop spending so much time at work and start spending more time with our wives and our children and giving them our love instead of our work. We need to start working out our marriages instead of taking the easy way out and just getting divorced when things aren't going right. Most importantly, we need to start turning to Christ and His Word in the Bible for answers on how to fix our marriages and stop listening to just mere human beings. We need to start teaching our children about Christ And the reason for Christmas and Easter or Resurrection Day, instead of lying to them, you know, using fairy tales. We need to stop celebrating the devil's holiday of Halloween. And we need to do something that's maybe celebrate Christ's love on that day. All our holidays, by the way, Resurrection Day was originally a pagan day. That was Easter. And it was originally originally a day where the pagans celebrated their goddess, Estore. And Christmas was another pagan day. But what happened was... Christians converted these pagan holidays into holidays that celebrated the birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, we could do the same thing with Halloween today. We can take that Halloween day and we can convert it, just like the early Christian fathers did in the first century. We can convert those days if we want to go against Satan's agenda. Start celebrating, doing something for another thing to celebrate Jesus Christ that day. And very important, we need to stop blaming God for the problems that we have gotten ourselves into. And we need to repent of that, and we need to apologize to him and stop blaming him. Because remember, we are our biggest enemy. Satan's number two. We are our own biggest enemy. Okay? We get ourselves into troubles. We get ourselves into problems. We get ourselves into pickles. 
And what happens is once we're in those pickles, what do we do? The first human thing to do, and it's Satan's temptation, just blame God. Blame God. You know, because if, if he wouldn't have done this or if he would have allowed, if he wouldn't allowed this, and, and this wouldn't be happening. We need to get away from blaming God and stop getting offended with God and start turning to him for our answers. We need to start finding churches that follow the Bible, and we need to get involved in those places. And unless we take these steps, we will continue to fall into Satan's agenda, and he will succeed at causing our lives and societies to, to crumble and to be ruined, which is exactly what we see today. Especially in America, our society is crumbling. Our government is terrible in our society. Our morality is zero. We People hate one another. People are so mean and evil to one another. Parents aren't even raising their children anymore because they're too busy working. And the TV and all the evils on TV are raising our children. We need to move away from these things, people. We need to move away from these things, Christians. And we need to move back toward a Bible-centered life where God has all the answers and not to mankind and not to TV. My sermon was so compelling to me last week and the way I studied it last week starting last Sunday after my message and even all throughout the week I started kind of in the evenings kind of in the afternoons I stopped kind of being so busy shut the tv off I started just laying there and I just started I just wanted to talk to God spend some extra time just kind of meditating on the things of the Lord and talking to God and I'll tell you it really helped my focus and things that came it really helped me to, to not, you know, get so trapped and not feel so overwhelmed because I started, again, shutting my stuff off, shutting all those things off that distract me from hearing God's voice. And I started going to listen to God more. I read some devotionals, encouraged another brother with a devotional. I mean, it was a very awesome time. And so if you stop being so busy and shut these things off out of your lives and start listening to God, it'll actually you really be surprised at how much more peace you have in your life and how much more you can actually hear God when your antennas aren't so busy receiving all those other signals that aren't Him. Christians, we need to change. We need to change away from these problematic things in our society. And we need to move toward a more Bible-centered, more, more Christ-centered life and listening to Him and getting away from these things. Or our society will just continue to crumble our society and our lives will continue to fall apart and more and more and more and more people will be just be trapped in Satan's agenda and then eventually even fall away from God. That's what, that's what happens when we get trapped in his agendas. So I hope that those things that we spoke about last week and even these tips that I gave this week will help because we need to fight against. Remember, submit to God, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, James. So anyway... That's enough for last week's message, and we got to move forward into this week's new message. And the title of this week's message is, Are You an Enoch for the Kingdom of Heaven in Spirit? One more time. Are you an Enoch for the Kingdom of Heaven in Spirit? So let's read our passage, Matthew 19, verses 10 through 12. We're going to go back one verse. Matthew 19, 10. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better for them not to marry. It's their question upon Jesus' response to the religious leaders. But Jesus says, All cannot accept the saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are Enoch's who were born thus from their mother's womb, 
And there are Enochs who were made Enochs by men. And there are Enochs who have made themselves Enochs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So going back a couple weeks now, what did we talk about? I did go back one verse. We, we really were only going to study Matthew 19, 11, and 12. But I had to go back that one verse because the disciples asked a very important question that sparked Jesus' response in verses 11 and 12. So going back a couple weeks now, because last week we kind of got off the beaten track, Jesus was some religious leaders came to Jesus. And they started asking Jesus about divorce. Remember verse 3 and 19. The Pharisees also came to Jesus, him, Jesus, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? So these religious leaders come to Jesus and they ask him this ridiculous question that they already knew the answers to. They were the religious leaders of their society. I mean, absolutely, they would have known the answers to this, to this question. But yet, they were, remember, they were trying to test him. So Jesus goes about and he answers their question basically in a long sense or in a short sense, no. He gives us the why and so on and so forth and speaks against divorce. But in in a short sense, he says, no, it's not okay to get divorced for just any reason. Well, the whole time that Jesus has given this answer to the disciples, okay, or I'm sorry, the whole time Jesus has given this answer to the religious leaders, the disciples are there with open ears. They're listening. They're like, okay, what's he saying? And they're listening along, and they're listening along, and they're listening along, and they're, re- and they're listening to the dangers, you know, of, of, of a marriage gone bad where people start to consider divorce. So they're listening, and what do they do? They ask a question, or they make a statement upon Jesus' answer to these religious leaders' question. And they say again, verse 10, His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Now, marriage is not easy. It's difficult. And as I talked about last week, no relationship that you're in is easy. All relationship that you have takes work. But remember, marriage specifically is God's gift to people. So that, remember, they won't be alone. God says in Genesis 2.18 in the very beginning... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And remember, it's also the avenue by which God gave man to fill the earth and subdue it. So procreation. But whenever you bring two different people together in marriage with two different personalities, there's going to be problems. It's just a given. You want it your way as a man. She wants it her way as a woman. And then what happens is, is that's how most normal divorces happen is, He wants it his way, and she wants it her way, and then what happens is is they can't come to a meeting, they can't come to a compromise, and then I just can't live with her, and I just can't live with him, and then, you know, they're gone. They're out of there. And so nowadays in our country of America, divorce is so prevalent. So now, again, there will be issues, there will be problems in a marriage, and that's it's just a given. We have two people bringing two personalities together. When you have children, it even makes it even more difficult. So with all that Jesus just taught about on the dangers of a marriage that falls or that fails or falls apart, maybe, just maybe, it would be better just not to get married, as the disciples just said. I mean, you know, having relationships, having to give up your way, you know, if you're the man or the woman, you know, it can be a headache. So would it be better just 
plainly, simply, just not to get married. I mean, even Paul agreed with this statement in 1 Corinthians 7, 28. He says, but if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. So even Paul, and even actually the whole book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is Paul speaking specifically to marriage, you know, it's about marriage and virgins and if they should marry, if they shouldn't marry, and so on and so forth. Paul agrees with this statement here that the disciples make. Hey, with all the things that are going wrong, hey, maybe it's better just not to marry, they say. And Paul says, hey, if you marry, I mean, it, it's not a sin, but yet if you marry, you're going to have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you that. Paul's wanting to, you know, do us a favor and keep us away from having all those problems with relationship. So is it better not to marry according to Jesus Christ here in our scripture? Read verse 11. What does Jesus say about if it's okay just not to marry? What is his answer to the disciples' statement? Verse 11. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only to those whom it has been given. So notice there, he did not say, yes, it's better not to marry. But then again, he didn't say no either. He does say that God gives this charge of no marriage to some people. Well, I have to ask here, is Jesus confused? I mean, he just goes against Genesis 2.18. For I give them, I give a man a helpmate, a wife, so that he shall not be alone. Yet Jesus says here that it's, it is good for some if they don't marry. In a sense, that's what he said. It, uh, marriage, marriage is a gift, though, remember, from God. The Bible says that God gave us a gift of marriage and companionship and the way we can procreate and so on and so forth. So what's going on? Is Jesus confused? Why did Jesus say that some are charged to be given uh, to not be married? He's not confused. But we do see here that there is a multiple truth here. In every single, uh, you'd say, it's called perspective, okay? In every single situation or in every single aspect of your life, you may have one aspect of your life, your car. And there are many truths about your car. There are many truths about your house. You can't just say that your house is big. You can also say that your house has a small room too. So there's different perspectives, hence different truths to one topic. And this is this way all over the world. You can be tall and you can be heavy. You can be smart, but you can also, you know, you know, not be good at a certain subject. I mean, you know, so there's different perspectives to how we can look at things. And Jesus tells us here that marriage is no different. There's multiple truths to marriage. So why then? Why would God give some to be unmarried? Read verse 12. For there are Enoch's who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are Enoch's who were made Enoch's by men. And there are Enoch's who have made themselves Enoch's for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So first of all, he says that some are given not to marry because of the kingdom of heaven's sake. Okay, we've got this kingdom of heaven and we've got or the kingdom of God or however you want to say it. Jesus referenced it many ways. And we've got God's kingdom and we've got our own. 
So we have people, some people, Jesus says, it's given to them to be an Enoch for the kingdom of heaven's sake. That means that this, something happens to them. This, they become this type of person just specifically for the kingdom of heaven's sake. So what is an Enoch? Because that's important. We have to know what an Enoch is before we know, you know, are we one or how do, how, do I know one or so on and so forth. What, what is an Enoch? Strong's concordance definition behind the word Enoch. One, a bedkeeper, bedguard, superintendent of the bedchamber or chamberlain. And the, then the sub-definition, in the palace of Oriental monarchs, who support numerous wives, the superintendent of the woman's apartment or harem, an official held by an Enoch. And that one really didn't tell us much. B, this one tells us more, an emasculated man, an Enoch. C, one naturally incapacitated, B for marriage or begetting children, means that they are not able to either get married or not able to have children. Or D, one who voluntarily abstains from marriage. Now, if you notice, if, if, and if you weren't paying attention, it's okay, we're going to go back. Notice here, Jesus pretty much gives us these same categories in Matthew 19, 12, in these three categories. Notice that there were these categories here, A, B, C, and D, okay? But kind of A is kind of with B. So in a sense, Jesus gives us these same categories here in Matthew 19, 12, as that Strong's Concordance uh, definition gave us. So let's go over each one of these categories of what an Enoch is, and I want to describe them for you. So number one in verse 12, he says, For there are Enochs who were born thus from their mother's womb. That's the number one type of Enoch. An Enoch would be uh, somebody that, that they're born that way. And what that means is, is an, emo, an, an Enoch is somebody that uh, has no desire to be with a woman or, or is emasculates themselves. We'll talk about that later. But these are men who were born Enochs from their mother's womb. They have no desire to have sex and they have no desire to be with a woman. They have no desire to be married. They're not homosexuals, but they have no desires to be married or be with a woman. I have a friend that's like this. He has just no desire. He, he loves people, and he's a, he's a godly guy, but he has no desire. It's not for the kingdom of heaven's sake, but it's, he has no desire to, to be with a woman. He just is good. He's cool being alone. He, he, you know, he hangs out with you know, friends and such so on and so forth, but he has no desire to be with women, has no desire to have you know, intercourse with a woman. He's just free from that you know, desire of his life. He's just, you know, just, just a guy and he serves God and he's a really cool guy and so on and so forth. So he is a, like a definition of one who's born that way. Number two, Jesus says, not only do we have those that are Enochs born from their mother's womb, but there are Enochs who were made Enochs by men. Now, what is he saying? We go back to definitions A and B of our Strong's Concordance. And we have the, in the palace of an oriental monarch, one who supports numerous wives, the superintendent of women's apartment or harem, an official held by Enoch, an emasculated man, okay, an Enoch. What would happen is, is in these harems of these kings, these great kings, they would have an Enoch. And these kings would have multiple wives, lots of women, and that would what they would call a harem. Well, in this harem, when all women, he had to have somebody to take care of them. Well, he would make, you'd say, an Enoch and emasculate that man. What is emasculation? Well, that's castration. 
he would take a man as a king, would take a man, and he would castrate him. That means he would cut off his genitalia. That way, he would have no desire, because once your genitalia are gone, he has no desire to be with a woman, because that's where the man's testosterone comes from. Okay? So therefore, this castrated man, who now becomes an Enoch, that a man has made, it's for the king's benefit, for his harem's benefit, to take care of his women. But he didn't want the guy that's in there taking care of his woman, he didn't want that guy sleeping with all these women. So again, he would emasculate him, and then he would keep the guy in there to keep charge over the women that were in the harem, but he would feel safe that nothing would happen in a sexual kind of way. So that would be an Enoch, made an Enoch by men. But Jesus finishes, there's one last one. He says, not only are they born that way from their mother's womb, and not only do men make other men that way, but there are those, and there are Enoch's who have made themselves Enoch's for the kingdom of heaven's sake. So this is somebody that decides to make themselves an Enoch for the kingdom of heaven's sake. This is definition D. One who voluntary, uh, voluntarily abstains from marriage. So this is not a man that is going to castrate himself. Okay? This is just simply a man or a woman that makes a vow to God and simply decides not to get married or have any sexual activity out, you know, with either sex. So a man that decides, I'm not going to get married to a woman, and a woman that decides that they say, that I'm, I'm not going to get married to a man because... God's kingdom is just that important to me. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve him for his kingdom and I'm not going to get, you know, married and I'm not going to be with another and I'm not going to be in a relationship with a marriage in a marriage and then be distracted by that marriage because I'm going to serve God. I want to serve him for his kingdom. This kind of person is going to feel a calling from God to do this. Notice Jesus said there in verse 11, but only those to whom it has been given. And then at the end of verse 12, he said, he was able to accept it, let him accept it. So this Enoch, that one that decides and desires not to be married, not to have the company of a woman or a woman of a man, they're doing this for the kingdom of heaven's sake, and they're going to feel like God is calling them to do this. That they, they, they just feel that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is just that important. This is the category that Jesus was referencing when he said that God gives it to some and that not all can receive it. So there are some men, and that's what kind of we're going to focus on at the end of our sermon. We're going to focus on Enoch's made thus from, or made, or Enoch's that have decided to make themselves Enoch's for the kingdom of heaven's sake. There's going to be last two last categories in this. Now that we have the definition of an Enoch down and examples of Enoch's down, there's a question that we have to ask ourselves, or maybe you've been asking yourself. Has God called you to be an Enoch for his kingdom? Has God called you to be an Enoch? Now, this would be not obviously an Enoch where we're talking about castration. We're talking about a full-out, no-marriage, celibate man or woman for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven's sake or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe this sermon is what you've been waiting for because maybe you've been praying to God, God, should I be that type of man or woman for you? Lord, I, I don't know. I, 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 I want to be married, but you know, do you, have you been feeling a calling to be an Enoch for God's kingdom, to not get married, you know, to, to just stay 
single and be totally devoted and sold out to God and his kingdom. Well, if he has, if you feel this calling, I want to exhort you, some exhortation here, to any Enochs that may be listening or any future Enochs that may be listening. I want you to be strong. You're, you're a soldier for the kingdom of God. God's calling you to do this. It's a hard road if you don't keep your focus. So we need to be prepared to then just have this, the Christian fellowship with no marriage and no children. And that's a hard, hard thing to do. Paul's warning to you is 1 Corinthians 7. It's, we have to, Jesus said whenever we're called to do something, we're supposed to count the cost, you could say. God says into his word, it, to us, we're supposed to count the cost. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, if you can't stay pure and away from sexual immorality, then you just have to marry. Because there's no sense trying to become an Enoch for the kingdom of God, but then your temptation is so strong and you can't quell it, and then you're going to end up sinning and falling into a you know an impure relationship with you know someone of the opposite sex, and then you know you now you're on the on the dangerous path, you know, because you're making a mistake and because you just can't control your fleshly you know desires. Well, then maybe Enoch is just not for you. But if you can, and if you feel this calling, just gotta be strong. Keeping your focus on Jesus Christ and his message and your duty. That is, this is what an Enoch or a celibate man or woman for the kingdom of God is, is called to do. Just keep your focus. Don't worry about what's going on in the world. Don't worry about, and don't try not to be alone with any other one of the opposite sex because there's dangerous times that can come with that. Just keep your focus on God and his kingdom and what he has called you to do. Prayer, supplication, evangelism, service to your church, whatever it is that you've been called to do. If that's your calling from God to do that, then you need to go and you need to do that. It's a very honorable one. Remember, not many can even receive it according to Jesus because not all are called to do it. The majority of us as men and women in the world, God says, go get married, procreate. You know, raise a family in my name. Raise a Christian family in my name. And, you know, disciple your children in my ways. This is what God wants for the majority of people in the world. But if you feel that calling to be an Enoch, just be strong. Make sure it's prayerful. Uh, if this is your confirmation sermon, then praise God. Then, then push on and do it. But be careful because the devil would, of course, love to tempt you in this you know, decision that you've made. So maybe... Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, oh, okay, Pastor, that, that's not me. Can, can, can we just move on? I'm, I'm not called to be an Enoch. I, I want to get married someday and, and um, just let's go, you know, what's next? What do we have next? Maybe you've never felt God call you to be an Enoch. Well, that's all right. Because Jesus said that God only gives this charge to some. But I have a bit of shocking news for all of us which is the title of our sermon today. Did you know that even if you have never felt a calling to be a full-out Enoch, no marriage, celibate, you know, just, just sold out for God's kingdom, sold out for the kingdom of heaven, sold out for the kingdom of God and doing God's work, I bet you didn't know that God has called you, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, at the very basic level to be an Enoch, for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in spirit. Yes, that's right. Every Christian has called to be Enoch in spirit for God's kingdom. 
Now, you may be sitting there going, Pastor Ed, what in the world are you talking about? Are you crazy? What, are you ta- what does that even mean? What, what is an Enoch in spirit for the, the kingdom of God? I'm married, maybe you might be saying. Or, or I'm single, but I'm engaged. Or, you know, what are you talking about an Enoch for the kingdom of heaven in spirit? What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? And, and where are you even reading this in this section of scripture? Well, I'm not. God gave this one to me last week, and he, shot, he kind of threw this on me. He shocked me with this, and I never actually looked at it like this before. So maybe you're going to learn something new like I learned something new last week and this week. This idea doesn't come from Christ here in this section, but he does mention it elsewhere, believe it or not. We'll talk on that later. But it does come as revelation given to the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll be there kind of like the rest of the service almost. There's some other scripture verses, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to go over the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, but real quickly. I'm just going to overview it for you. Paul, in this whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 7, is teaching and talking to Christians, virgin Christians, about staying pure. Not getting married. That's where that other quote came from. You know, that other verse came from. 1 Corinthians 7, 28, I believe it was, where Paul said, you know, I I exhort you Christians, you know, don't get married. Stay pure. But, you know, if you have to get married, it's not a sin. But, you know, nevertheless, if you do, it's going to cause you trouble in your flesh. He's exhorting the whole chapter for Christians that are virgins, are not married, they're not married, to stay that way or to stay Enoch's for the kingdom of God and for the purposes of God. But in the midst of this exhortation, not commandment from God, you know, Paul doesn't say, I command every virgin Christian man or woman to stay that way. He exhorts you to do that because God's kingdom is just that important. That's how Paul looked at it. He says right in the midst of this exhortation to, you know, to those unmarried Enoch status, he tells Christians that are married, that we should be spiritual Enochs for God's kingdom along with why we should be spiritual Enochs for God's kingdom. So if you want to go down to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29, we're going to start there and I'm going to start explaining it. So 1 Corinthians 7, 29, and we're going to go through what Paul calls all Christians, according to God, for us to be spiritual Enochs for God's kingdom. He says, verse 29, he says, but but this I say, brethren, so we know he's talking to the Christian church, we know he's talking to Christians. He says, the time is short. Well, that's not the Enoch yet, but it's, it's, we're working up to it. He says, the time is short. What is he saying? Well, Jesus said, back in the book of Revelation, this was even, you know, 96 or 98 AD, he tells, he tells Paul or John, uh, in Revelation 22, 6, speaking of how everything is so near, he said, the angel tells John, he says, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servant the things which must shortly take place. Now, this Revelation 22, 6 was at the end of the book of Revelation. Jesus, when he leaves, tells the disciples, I am coming quickly. Or I'm sorry, he says in the book of Revelations, excuse me, back up. He says in the book of Revelations, I am coming quickly. I am coming quickly. He tells them a couple different times. He tells, you know, he, he in his in his idea in his in the scripture in the New, in the New Testament in the Gospels, he speaks about I'm not going to be very long. It, you know, 
live is, is that you have a short life. You know, I'm coming quickly. I'll be back soon. So Paul says the time is short. He, he reminds us that the time is short. The end is coming soon. I know people have been saying that for 2,000 years, but it is true. You know, one day is as a thousand years to God and a thousand years is as a day to God. So really, in essence, since Christ has been gone, it's only been a couple days in his perspective. Okay, so time is short for us. The end is coming soon. The end of all things where everything will be rolled up like a scroll. The world will all be dissolved. Everything and all creation will be dissolved. Everything will be gone. So time is very short, Paul said. Because the time is short, this is the calling for all Christians now. 1 Corinthians 29, Paul says, From now on, even those who have wives, so even those that are married, those that are already married, from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. This is a spiritual enoch for the kingdom of God. Those who are married should act like they're not married. Those who have children, you could say, should act like, should behave like they have no children. A spiritual enoch says, God's kingdom is my top priority, even above my wife, and my children. Listen to Paul again. I'll read it all together. 1 Corinthians 7, 29. But I say, brethren, the time is short. From now on, even those who have wives, you could add, and families too, should be as though they had none. So even those that are married, even those that have children, should act like and be like those that do not even have a wife or a family. Notice now here, very important thing that I don't want to leave out. He didn't say to just kick your wives and your families to the curb and never spend any time with them and don't show them any love and not to care about them at all. But what he did say was that even those that are married and have children should act like and and have an attitude of God's kingdom is top priority in my life. He goes on to say in verses 30 and 31, he says, those who weep as though they did not weep. See here, he's, he's showing us the attitude of our hearts that we should have, even if we're married, how we should behave in this world we live in. Those who weep as though they didn't weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. Total point by Paul, verses 29 through 31 in 1 Corinthians 7. Make your heart attitude toward the things of God's kingdom a total top priority over everything else in this world. Over marriage, over family, over how sad you are, over how how much fun you have, or really over anything in this world. Have a heart attitude toward the fact of God's kingdom. The things of God are more important to you 
than all these other things put together. I said earlier that this idea of spiritual Enoch didn't come from Christ here in this text, but Jesus does speak like this, but he uses some different words in Matthew 10, 37. He says this, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Notice he just said, he doesn't want us to hate our families, our wives, our children, our, our, our loved ones, our friends. He never said, hate all those people. You must hate. No, God is a God of love. But what did Jesus say? He did say we're supposed to love, the, love him more than we love one another. Which is exactly what he said. When he said all the law and the all the law and the prophets stand on these two things: love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And then after that love is first, number two, then love your neighbor, and you could add family. Then love your neighbor and your family as yourself. Notice the love of God. Notice the things of God are supposed to be loved. First by us, not second. Our love for God in his kingdom and the things of God should be first, not secondary. And if we love no one or nothing more than Christ, then we ought not to let anything get in the way of us being spiritual enochs for God's kingdom. Other ways to think of this idea. We need to start caring for the things or matters of the Lord, even above the things and matters of our wives and then of our families. We need to be making sure that the matters of God and Christ and his kingdom are a top priority, even above anyone or anything else in this world. But you may be saying, you know, Pastor Ed, are you sure you're not taking Paul's meanings out of context? Are you sure that Paul actually really meant that we should act as though we're, we're, you know, we're, we're all for the kingdom of God, even though we have a family, even though we have children. Well, yeah, because even Peter understood God's heart in this. When Peter in 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13 speaks on the same subject, Peter says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, speaking of all creation, since all these things will be dissolved, all of our cars, all of our goodies, all of our toys, all of our houses, all of everything, you say, will be dissolved. He says, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? He says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, that's all your space and all your planets, all that's going to be on fire. And the elements, all the earth, all space, will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Do you see where our focus should be if we're really being the spiritual enochs for God's kingdom that he has called us to be? Our focus should not be on the stuff of this world first. Our focus should not be on our families and our wives and our households first. 
But our focus should be according to God and according to his word, according to Christ. Our focus should be first on God, on his kingdom, and on the things of God, and on the matters of God. And then after those things come our family. After those things comes our, come our wives, our, come our families, come our children, come our homes, come our matters. Because in a sense, we're either A, focusing all on our kingdoms that we have on this earth, or B, we're focusing on God's kingdom first, and then we're taking care of our business after. It's an easy point to see here, but I have to admit even my own self, it's not an easy point to swallow. You may not even have the had not you may not even before this sermon have had the knowledge that this is something a charge that God has given to all His children. This sermon, though I'm not going to lie to you, was a very hard one for me to preach because I'm not even there myself today. I am glad I'm teaching this sermon because I needed to hear it as much as every one of you. In fact, I have to be honest, I almost didn't preach it. I almost said to myself this week, I was saying to myself this week, as I was thinking about it, I almost said that there's no way I can preach this because I'm not 100% there myself. I don't in every aspect of my life make God's kingdom in the kingdom of heaven first in my life, I, I know there's some things that I put above God and above his kingdom in, in my life. Not necessarily above God in my heart, but there are some things in my life that I put above the matters and the things of God in his kingdom. But as I thought about this idea, the Lord spoke to me and he chastised me. And he said, you better speak what I want you to speak this week, Ed. You better do what I tell you to do and nothing else. So this is what I figured before I close. I figured since I'm not there 100%, and I know there's probably a lot of the Christians listening to me out there that aren't there either 100%, that maybe after this message and after what Paul said and Peter said and what Jesus said and all these things, what the Bible says, that maybe we could make a conscious effort together and a decision together to get there together. Because I'm not a perfect man, and I know none of us are perfect. We're all what the Bible would call a work in progress. Okay, And I have work that God's working on me, and I know God's working on you in certain areas and matters of your life. So, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ... According to the word of God that we just read today, we need to be making the things of God and his kingdom and the gospel of Christ our top priority on a daily basis, even above our families and our wives and our children. As importantly, we even need to be training our children to have this kind of mindset so that they can learn to grow up to do what? To be obedient to the word of God. The Word of God is not that easy to be obedient to. Every commandment, if you look back at Moses and the Ten Commandments that he gave man, and he gave Moses back on the, you know, on Mount Moriah, and even really give to all mankind after that, every single one of those things goes against our innate nature as a human being. So the Word of God is not an easy thing to obey. 
But do we love Him? I hope we all do. And I hope we're willing to stand up today and make this challenge to, to set our faces like flint and say, if God says that I ought to be, whether I'm married or single or whatever, and that I should be a spiritual Enoch for the kingdom of heaven or an Enoch in attitude of my heart toward God's kingdom and toward the things of God, then boy, by golly, I need to get there. Because that's what I was thinking. I need to get there. I'm not there, 100%. But boy, I want to be. And I want to be obedient to God's word. So how do we go about doing this? How do we go about making this change in our lives? Number one, willingness and desire to change and to do what God is telling us to do. We have to have that, first of all. We have to have a desire to change and to be different. We have to have a desire to do what God told us to do. Because guess what? If without desire, we have nothing. Because you can't coach desire. You either have desire or you don't have desire. So if you're willing and have the desire to be obedient to the things of God and to do things God's way, then here's how we got to go about starting to be spiritual Enoch's for the kingdom of heaven. We need to A, or number one, start by making God's word and prayer first in our day and in our lives. The things of God's kingdom that God is concerned about, first and foremost, is what? First and foremost, the number one thing God is concerned about with you and me is our personal relationship with him. And when we set our hearts and we say, I want to start by doing what God wants me to do right now today, then you need to start, A, getting up in the morning. And the first thing you do, spending time in God's word and in prayer daily. What does this do? This builds your relationship with him. A, B, this strengthens your knowledge of what he wants you to do. You can't be doing the things that God wants you to do unless you know them first. And how do you know the things that, God, that, that are important to God unless you go to his word and you find out what things are important to God? We need to be praying for ourselves, for others. We need to be praying, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. And help me to do and make the things of you more important than the things of myself. We can never live this kind of life, this spiritual Enoch status for the kingdom of heaven, unless we have God's empowerment to do it. We can never do it. Because our flesh is too strong. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So this is the number one Thing that God wants you to make a top priority in your life. Spending time with Him and getting in His Word and focusing on Him and praying fervently for yourself, praying fervently for your family, praying fervently for this lost world that we have out there. There's all kinds of people that God wants to, you know, to come to know Him, which is the number two thing is the most important thing to God. What this other thing that God's concerned about with his, you know, for his kingdom, you know, the things of God or or what are God's top priorities is getting others into his kingdom. 
Of course, if we're there already, then we got to focus top priority on him and doing the things he wants, focusing on him and listening to him and talking to him. That's number one. Number two, in his word, he says it, I want to bring as many people in as it'll come. So go out into the highways and byways and getting others to come into the kingdom of heaven. So whenever we got to start focusing on whenever we're in public, after we've spent our time in the word, after we've spent our time in prayer, after we've spent our time asking God to fill us up and make us stronger and able to live the way he wants us to live, whenever we go out in public, we need to slow down. We need to stop being in a hurry and we let need to let our lights for God so shine and our lights for Christ shine before others. We can't be so shy, Christians. We need to start while we're out just striking up conversations with others. While at the store or restaurant. And we need to move into sharing God. And we need to move into sharing Christ with others. Maybe you're just not a, just giving out a few tracks here and there. Well then stop in a place and just ask somebody how they're doing and how their day is going. And as you just start talking to them and just treating them like a human being, and then move into, hey, you know, I just want to know, you know, I want to let you, I want to let you know God loves you today, or, you know, I love Jesus, and I want, you know, I want to know, you know, do you love him too? Just anything. Slow down. You say, smell the flowers. Striking up conversations with people. Getting other people, showing other people how much you love God, and stop being so shy, letting your light so shine. And then number three, something else God wants us to do after we love him first and after we show love to others, and that's, of course, showing love to our families, training up our children to be spiritual or regular or real physical enochs for the kingdom of God and spirit. It's called discipleship. If we're already married, even though we, we can live like we're, you know, like we're not married or like, we can live like we're not have families, you know, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. We need to be passing this desire, this this passion that we have, this this way of life that God wants all his children to have onto our children. Teaching them to be spiritual enochs for God's kingdom. Because there's one thing for sure. God is calling all of his children to be spiritual enochs for the kingdom of heaven in attitude and in spirit. Those who have wives as though, or you could say women who have husbands, as though they have no husbands or no wives. It's an attitude of your heart. Will you today, Christian, will you pick up your cross and live with the attitude of, I'm going to make the things of God And the things of the kingdom of heaven, the most important priority in my life, or will I make, will I continue to make myself, or will I continue to make my family more important than God's priorities? Because God loves you, and He loves you and saved you so that you can be a tool for him to go out there, not only have a deeper relationship with him and have a relationship with him, period, but go out there and help others realize his love for them too. God is calling every Christian to this type of lifestyle, of lifestyle, excuse me. So are you willing to change? Are you willing to start making the things of God and the things of heaven a top priority in your life? 
Or will you continue on and not? I know I want to begin. I want to begin yesterday. And so let's focus together and let's do this together. Christians, have a desire and you can't do it on your own. Start praying, God, please, I want to be a spiritual Enoch for your kingdom. Make me thus. Make me this way, please. Because I know your word says that that's how you want me to be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for the reality and the truth of your word, your holy and awesome word. Lord, I, I just pray that anybody and everybody that will ever listen to this message will be as challenged as I was this week to speak this message. This was a difficult thing for me to teach this week because I'm not going to lie. I wasn't going to teach it, Lord. I was trying not to teach it because I'm not there myself, 100%. But, Lord, I want to be there. And I pray for everybody else that's listening, Lord, because your word says that we ought to do this, I pray that they would want to be there too. God, please make us men and women and children that have your desires, have your matters, have the things that interest you that are most important to you as the things that are most interesting and most important to us. Please, God, change us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. You know the ones of us that are really desiring to be what you've called us to be. I pray that we would be, that you would make all those listening or that will ever listen to this message, spiritual Enoch's with the attitude of, I want to make God's kingdom and the kingdom of heaven and the things of God more important than my own things and my own priorities. Change us, Lord. Please change us. We love you and praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Everyone, it's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015 and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.